0: It's the amazing Rico Bronya podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Rico Brogna as we creep a little bit closer to this World Series finally ending, which means the offseason. We are recording this right after the Philadelphia Phillies got no hit, so I'm in a very jovial mood. I really enjoyed watching the Astros even up the World Series at 2-2, two and two. And I most especially enjoyed watching Philly fans who everyone has been waxing poetic about. Ah, oh, the Philly fans are so great. They're so loud. They're so excited. Those bastards left early. They didn't want to watch history. They didn't want to watch Christian Javier's six no-hit innings. They didn't want to watch our boy Rafael Montero. They didn't want to watch Brian Abreu. They didn't want to watch Ryan Presley. They went home. Now the joke is we've been home for a while. So who the hell am I to talk? But I did enjoy watching the Phillies at least lose. Uh the sooner this World Series ends, which won't happen until at least Saturday, uh then the off season will begin. Couple of things, today we're going to focus on the other free agents. We've already given you a podcast all about Jacob DeGrom. The jury was resign him. Then we did a podcast on just Brandon Nemo. The jury said resign him. And then more recently, we did a podcast on Edwin Diaz. And yes, the jury unanimously said, let's re-sign him. But during the Edwin Diaz podcast, Pete Hoffman said, you should put up a poll on Twitter and see who are Met fans most confident about in terms of who is going to be re-signed. Because my thesis was, I think we're most confident in Edwin Diaz. So I put the poll up. I even used hashtag Rico. I don't know why. I'm not really much of a hashtag guy, but I did it. And here are the results, all right? What free agent are you most confident the Mets will resign? And I correctly predicted in a landslide, in a blowout, in a Ronald Reagan just kicked Walter Mondale's ass. Okay, now I have to think of a Democrat to keep everybody. LBJ! Just kicked up Barry Goldwater's ass. There you go. Everybody's happy? Great. Edwin Diaz, 76% of the vote. Brandon Nimmo, 13. Jacob DeGrom, 11. So actually very tight between the confidence levels in Nimmo and DeGrom. I find that fascinating. Like, the Diaz part I'm not surprised by because that's what I claim to you, Pete, would be the result. But I am a little surprised that the DeGrom-Nimmo split is very, very close. Maybe. Met fans are really worried about the Colorado Rockies paying Brandon Nimmo big money, I guess.
1: Well, it, it maybe also it's the concern factor because you just heard Billy Epler say that, you know, Starling Marte could always play center field if need be. And what is a bigger need if Nimmo leaves? There's things I guess we could do to fix it. If DeGrom leaves, what the hell are we doing with starting pitching?
0: <laughs> right? I think. Yeah, I. I do think when Billy said that, when he was asked specifically by our buddy John Heyman, hey, could Starling Marte play center field? It was a leading question. John said, hey, could Starling Marte play center field? Is Billy Epler going to say no? He's a piece of crap. He can't move in center. Like, I don't think that answer gave anything away. And the truth is, as we've sat here throughout the MLB postseason, kind of waiting for nuggets and crumbs and breadcrumbs on Met News, we haven't gotten any. Like, we haven't really heard anything about Jacob deGrom. We haven't heard anything about Edwin Diaz or Brandon Nimmo, at least anything different than what we have heard towards the end of the season. And I remember saying this on the air about Aaron Judge, and I'll certainly say it about the Met players. Anything that's coming out prior to free agency is probably not true. We just need to wait. We're not that far away from it. Free agency is going to begin in earnest. Then we'll start to hear... The Texas Rangers offered DeGrom this. The Colorado Rockies offered Brandon M.O. that. So I think we'll get more details as things emerge. There was one other Mets story that I'll touch on very briefly because I don't think it's a big deal, but some did. The fact that the Mets are moving in the fences in right field and the excuse being given is that they're building, and I spoke to somebody from the Mets. I actually contacted the Mets, and you'll be proud of me. I said, why are you moving the fences And they said, well, it's a fan friendly experience, which had been out publicly. So I said, is Aaron Judge code for fan friendly experience? And the person laughed and said, no, we are building extra room in a party area in right field. And I genuinely believe that because I think there are a lot of conspiracy theorists who think, oh, come on, that's just the excuse. They want to bring the fences in. They are going to attract or try to attract a free agent slugger, maybe not this year, but next year, in the case of Shohei Otani. I don't buy that. Like, I know we've seen fences brought in before we saw the Orioles move the fences back. The Mets, they, they tried a lot of things to get people in the ballpark last year, a lot of different things. They tried the DJ on Friday night. Uh, so I don't think it's crazy that they're trying to kind of improve one of their party areas in right field. Like, I completely buy that as the reason they did it, I don't sense a conspiracy to acquire a slugger. But I know you, Pete, you think this is all about some kind of ruse to convince Aaron Judge to come here, don't you?
1: Well, that would definitely also send the Grom out of here because why are you going to move defenses in so they could screw the pitchers? But yes, I would love that to be the real reason. But I will say this. They've been reconstructing City Field since they constructed it. Uh, I mean, they've built, they brought the walls back how many times already? I think this is like the fourth time that they're starting to do that. And they've always tried to add in addition to park up some of these spots for, for the fans. So I, I'm not opposed to it, but I also don't, this point in time, like, what are we really doing here? How much are we, could, could we there's no other section to like add to? You can't put something on top of like the, you know, I don't know, the, the bullpen
0: area. I, I don't know. <laughs> Aren't they also supposed to be adding that beautiful large uh, video screen? I remember oh, there was yeah. a whole big deal about how they cut a deal with, I forget the company, um, but they were putting like this really massive video screen in right center field. I have no idea. I do know this. I'm going to go to City Field in about a month and a half because they're doing some kind of Christmas light show. And I bought tickets and I'm taking the family. And it has nothing to do with it being at Citi Field. It was just a Christmas activity. So if they've added anything new at City Field, I'll give you some kind of idea about it in the middle of December. It's called like Amazing Lights or Amaze Lights. Or something like that. Is That's gonna, the show they're having. Is it going to be around, like, on the
1: field? Or is it going to be around, like, the like the ballpark? What, what are they doing exactly?
0: I'm going to be honest with you, Pete. I spent a fortune for these tickets. I have no effing idea what it is. <laughs> I don't. Money well spent. It's one of those. It's one of those <laughs> things where I know that we like to do winter activities. We like to do Christmas stuff. Uh so why not? Okay, if it sucks, we'll never do it again. If it's great. We have a new tradition, and that's going to City Field in the middle of December. Anyhow, let's get to the subject at hand, and that's all the other free agents. Obviously, Diaz, DeGrom, and Nimmo are the big three, and all these other guys we're going to mention, you could certainly argue, and I will throughout this podcast, our feelings on them will be dictated on if DeGrom is back, on if Diaz is back, because a lot of the free agents involve pitching. The Mets don't have a lot of free agents when it comes to position players. It's starting pitching, and it's bullpen. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to name a name. That guy's a free agent. And without thinking about it, before we get into a, a further discussion on it, your first reaction, yes, I want him back, or no, I don't want him back. Obviously, there are some gray areas to this. We'll get into detail on each guy. So it's not just going to be a quick yes or no. It's just your first reaction, right? Are but- you ready? Let's go. Chris Bassett, do you want him back? No. Wow. An instant no. So my instant reaction would be no, too, because of how it ended. And that's obviously a problem for a lot of us. We all remember not just the final start that he made against the Padres in Game 3, not just the comments that he made about New York and how demanding it is, but even what happened in Atlanta. As I've said in previous podcasts, I look at the Atlanta three-game series and the San Diego series as connected. They're all playoff series. So I agree, and I think most people listening to this podcast, and you should be playing along at home when I say a name, <laughs> scream it out loud, yes or no. Uh, I think all of our reactions would be no. But, bro, let's can we, can we go a little deeper on this? please? Chris Bassett is an innings eater, and that matters. That's a big deal. Last year in 2022, and I think we could start calling it last year, the Mets didn't get a full season out of Max Scherzer. They didn't get a full season out of Jacob DeGrom. They didn't even really get a full season out of Carlos Carrasco, though he did mostly pitch. Chris Bassett was Mr. Reliable. He was dependable. So how do you replace those innings? So when you say no, is the no squarely based on the way it finished for him? Was is there a deeper reason for saying no immediately to a guy who was their most consistent pitcher in 2022?
1: So here's, I guess, the gray area for me. Like, so Max, and I don't want to do this Omar Manaya thing, but I'm going to do it a little bit. So say the Grom doesn't come back. This right. is, this is the hypothetical I have. Scherzer's your one. Chris Bassett is not my two. He can't be my two. So he's about the three or four ish type of guy innings heater, yes, but he can't be two, but yet he's gonna get paid like a two, and i I can't have that so that I'm weighing out that, that I'm weighing out him over somebody else coming in to take over that two role. I would like to have him back if the money was right, but I think he's gonna be overpriced,
0: okay, so the debate on if a guy is a two is always a weird one. I mean, we look at the teams that are in the World Series. Aaron Nola is a two. I think we'd agree. Framber Valdez is a two. Uh, are they both better than Chris Bassett? I think we would both lean towards yes. Framber mm-hmm. Valdez and Aaron Nola are. But if you look at it that way and you say, okay, I don't want to pay Chris Bassett. Well, guess what, Pete? Now you're looking for a number three because he was a very good number three in 2022. So, If your reason for not wanting him is, well, he's not a number two, and I just lost Jacob DeGrom. Well, if you lose Chris Bassett, now you need a number two and a number three. And when you look at free agency and you look at, and obviously there are other ways to add pitching besides free agency. Here's my list of guys who would at least replace a Bassett, dare I say a DeGrom? No one's replacing a DeGrom, but the high end pitchers that are out there. And I have four guys on my list of high end guys. Carlos Rodon, and and these guys are not all equals, obviously, but I would put them on the higher level. Guys, they can be a number two, maybe even a number three. Carlos Rodon, Justin Verlander. Verlander's obviously better than everybody, but you do have to factor in age and the fact that his World Series pitching sucks. (laughs) Clayton Kershaw, who I don't even think we should talk about because he's not coming here. And then the other guy who none of us know anything about is Kode Senga, the Japanese pitcher who could come here and effing dominate. I have no idea. I know his Japanese numbers are really good, but that's it. Those are the only guys in free agency that even, because f- everyone else I mentioned are back of the rotation guys. Nate Evaldi for now, I guess he's more of a middle of the rotation, but he's a backer. Sean Mania, Noah no. Syndergaard, Kyle Gibson, Mike Miner. So if you put Bassett in those group, in that group of arms, is he not towards the top? So you don't want him. How the hell are you replacing him? I don't know. I'd.
1: I, I guess it's like a double-edged sword because I don't want him to be that that level guy. But you're right. There's there's not many. I guess the dream is the Ver,
0: Verlander or Verlander. Well, <laughs> no, but but you know what? I, I, this may sound crazy. Don't you almost prefer Chris Bassett to Justin Verlander? And the reason I say that is Chris Bassett is 33 years old. Uh, On opening day, he'll be 34. So for the sake of this discussion, he's a 34-year-old right-hander. He doesn't have that many innings on his arm. His innings that he's thrown have been recent. But remember, he didn't become like an every five-day Major League starting pitcher until he was 30 years old. So while he's 34, and that may seem a little bit older, it's not. And the one thing I've seen from Chris Bassett over the last two seasons with Oakland, and certainly this year with the Mets, is he's going to go out there and give you innings. And while, yeah, we're thinking about October, which we should, because ultimately that's the goal, you got to get through a 162-game season. And Max Scherzer or Jacob DeGrom, even if both are back, they're not reliable anymore. And Chris Bassett is. He threw 180 innings, which in 2022 is a huge number, so... I, I, I got to tell you about Bassett. Our emotional reaction is all going to be no. But when you think about it deeper and you think about replacing him and you think about how many innings he gave this team and how consistent he was, i tell you right now, I want the guy back. And obviously, price matters. Years matter. The way it works, by the way, with him is there is a mutual option at $19 million. There seems to be a sense that he's going to get more than that. So. It's not going to be just a, hey, they both agreed to $19 million, no free agency. He's probably going to go to free agency. It could be something as simple as two years, $40 million, something like that. Uh, I don't think it's anything crazy. But, I mean, look at the guys that are out there and look what he did for this team this year. Are we really willing to throw out 29 starts because of the last start or the last no, two starts?
1: No, 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 no. Um, and And it's weird because I was one who was so – Hell bent on everyone saying he has been the most consistent, and minus the the few West Coast starts, he was the guy. And then it was his comments, which again, like a little bit overblown, but still, it just turned me off. Like you know, it, the, the the fan base at the drop of a dime changes because you know things go bad for a moment. I don't really know if he likes it here. I don't know if he can handle it here. I feel like that's a conversation that's happening in the clubhouse often. Do you, you think Chris
0: Bassett lost game three because of the pressure or did he lose game three because, well, he just didn't pitch well? I think a little bit of both. No, it's – dude, I don't know the answer. Sometimes I ask a question not looking for an answer because I, I don't <laughs> know it. I mean, there's no way to actually know. Uh, the comments are concerning. And the comments bothered me at the time because obviously our emotions change. Your season is a best of three. You know, he was saying that in the midst of a playoff series. Well, yeah, you lose two games and your season is over. But I think one thing we always need to be careful about is making broad judgments on a very small sample size and making broad judgments such as he can't pitch in the playoffs. He can't pitch in New York in the postseason. Because what are we really talking about? We're talking about one start at City Field and one start at Atlanta. Now, there were huge starts. I'm not trying to minimize that. But for years, we heard Bryce Harper is a loser. Hmm. Teams get better when Bryce Harper leaves or is hurt. Bryce Harper is a great baseball player. And he finally did it at the right time in the right moment. I'm not comparing Chris Bassett to Bryce Harper. I'm just making the point that we're all emotional after a series is over, but I don't necessarily think we should over-exaggerate on such a small sample size. That's really what it comes down to. Okay. So.
1: <laughs> you convinced me. I don't I know did. what the hell to do with him. No, I have no idea. What to do with it's tough because, again, now now move to the I think your next free agent is also going to be a pitcher, but I don't know. You, you, yes. you make up a game. Yeah, meeting.
0: we're going to. <laughs> I'm going to go in order because I don't want to <laughs> jump from subject to subject. And, and by the way, there's a lot of parallels here because there's a lot of starting pitchers. Uh, let's go to Carlos Carrasco. The deal with Carlos is that there's a $14 million team option. There's a $3 million buyout based on that. They should exercise the team option. I don't even think it's a question. No, you know, Carlos Carrasco and I, I sure changed him before my apologies. I said he almost had a full season. He essentially did have a full season. I know he missed a handful of starts, but he made 29 starts. Bassett made 30. So you make 30 starts. You pitched a full season. He made 29 of them. And look, we, we talked about it throughout the year. There's bad cookie. There's good cookie. There are days in which you say this guy sucks. There are days in which he flies through seven scoreless innings. But strictly from a financial standpoint, $3 million buyout, $14 million team option. So, to get someone to to be equal to him, it has to be $11 million or less because you just paid $3 million on the buyout. Anyhow, I'm babbling. Carlos Carrasco, yes or no? Yes. He, and you'd exercise the option, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, no, no, look, no, I agree no with on. you. It's weird because Carlos Carrasco, here is final numbers, right? 15 wins, 7 losses, 29 starts, 152 innings, 3-9-70, the year before that, obviously, his first year with the Mets was a disaster. Missed a big chunk of the year when he pitched at a 6 ERA. He's also getting older. Carlos Carrasco is going to be 36 years old going into next season. But one-year deal, we saw the ups from him. We saw the downs from him. If he gave me the exact same season, I'd be happy with it. Because that those numbers, you know what those are? Those are back of the rotation numbers. And I'm fine with it. You're not going to have five aces. Like, we're not talking about the early 70s Orioles here or the mid-90s Braves. Like, you're not going to have five aces. So you need to fill out a rotation. He's dependable. You have to know going in, you're going to get the really good. I'm looking at his game logs from this year. It's everything that I, I described. Eight scoreless innings against the Atlanta Braves in May. We love it. He's amazing. Two starts later against the Mariners, four and a third innings, four runs. Uh, A game against the Padres on the road, seven innings, two runs, ten strikeouts. Next start against the Angels, four and two thirds innings, nine hits, five runs. Like it's this is what he is, and you almost have to accept that going in. Like he's going to hopefully make thirty starts. That's the most important thing. And you know there are going to be days where he eats innings for you. There are going to be days in which he doesn't pitch well. But I think financially. $14 Fourteen million dollars is just—it's worth it in this day and age because it goes back to what I said before. All right, you let him go now. You got to replace him, and how many starting pitchers are you going to add? That's his caliber. That's going to cost eleven million dollars, and I say eleven because of the three million dollar buyout. If that makes a lot of sense, so we're good with Carlos. I didn't even need to convince you of anything. No, yeah, he's good. Taiwan Walker, you want him back? Yes. Why so quick on the S yes with Taiwan? I think he's got the most upside
1: for any of the free agent pitchers because he's 30 years old. I understand he's had injury problems, but if you take away the really bad half in 2021, he's been one of the better pitchers on this pitching staff consistently.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. I wouldn't necessarily agree with the upside thing anymore. I think we're past it because he's 30. Like, he is what he is. But I think the last two years, what he is is solid. What he is is similar to what I said about Carlos in that he's a back of the rotation arm. He's going to give me 155 innings. He's going to make most starts. Um, You don't expect him to fall off a cliff like he did in 2021. And he never did that in 2022. And I was passionately defending that at times. In the second half this year where there was this notion of, oh, it's happening again. He's having another terrible second half. And the truth is he had one really, 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 really bad start against Atlanta in which he gave up eight runs in one inning, which is going to destroy your ERA. And you look at the rest of his starts. He was fine. Now, the rest of his starts, he went out there and he pitched pretty damn well. So his second half numbers were a little bit ballooned because of the one start against Atlanta. But he was consistent. He had a really solid, consistent season. And when you look at the Mets' success of winning 101 games and you say, how did you get there? You know, how, well, show me the work of how they got to 101. Taiwan Walker, Carlos Carrasco, and Chris Bassett, the non-aces, were a huge reason why. When you get 90 starts, more than half your games, were started by those three guys. And for the most part, they were pretty good. Not bad. Uh, here's the complicated part with Taiwan Walker. He is not re-signing or I should say exercising the odd player option that he has, which is for like $6 million. That's, that is gone. So he is a legitimate free agent. He's 30 years old. I think there's going to be a market for Taiwan Walker, and what concerns me is the Mets are going to have a budget at some point. And if they're re-signing, all the guys we want them to re-sign are they going to be able to pay Taiwan Walker the kind of money he probably gets in free agency?
1: I don't think so. Um, I'm I am worried because would you we listen? You talked about the, the top four starting pitcher free in free agency minus the Grom. It's not a great list. So that means Taiwan Walker is one of the hottest commodities out there as far as starting pitching. And he's 30 compared to Verlander, who's who's gonna be 40. And and Kershaw who's not coming here anyway, but like, he's up there. And all these guys are up there in age. Yeah. So he's so, 30. You're going to get a, a you're going to try to sign up for like a, not a long-term, but like a four to five-year contract.
0: Well, and I think the other thing to keep in mind here is that the Mets have, I, I like to think you have to go into a season with eight starting pitchers on your mind, not, you know, eight guys in your rotation, but eight guys who you can feel comfortable making starts at any point the Mets minor league depth is not there in terms of ready-made starting pitchers. So the guys who we haven't mentioned, who are going to be here next year, who certainly fit that bill as part of the eight guys is Tyler McGill, who I think is definitely inserted back into the rotation. David Peterson, who I thought pitched pretty well for the most part as a starter and all the filling duty that he had. And the third guy is Joey Lucchese, who you talked a lot about at the end of the year as possibly being a weapon out of the bullpen. So, You have those three guys. Obviously, you cannot pencil them all in for rotation spots, but I would put them in the eight, the group of eight. You also have Max Scherzer, who's already signed and good to go. And for the sake of this discussion, let's say Carlos Carrasco, the option is exercised. He's good to go. That gets you five of the eight slots. That leaves you, to me, three slots you have to fill. I'd prefer Jacob DeGrom. Uh, I I don't know if that's going to happen. But Chris Bassett and Taiwan Walker are interesting. I think it's very possible the Mets have to make a decision between the two of them. So you've got Bassett, who I laid out the case for earlier. He's a little bit older, but he doesn't have that many innings on his arm. He was their most reliable starting pitcher this past year. You got Taiwan Walker, who is also pretty damn reliable. If the money is similar, and I, I'm kind of guessing that the money is going to be similar. I don't know. I mean, we're trying to speculate what contracts are. It's very difficult. But if you had to make a choice between Chris Bassett and Taiwan Walker, your answer is
1: I, I like Taiwan Walker better because he didn't make those comments. <laughs> There's a lot about Taiwan Walker when he signed with the Mets. Where did he pop again? What did? Where did he what did drink? He you pop remember? again? What does that mean? Oh, like like you know, like t- he opened up a bottle. Do you remember what it was?
0: Oh, he popped a drink. I don't. I actually don't remember this. Did he pop champagne or something? He popped open a bottle of Tom Seaver wine, my friend. Oh, did he really? He did. My bad.
1: And that, like, right there. I love that. Of course. Guy represents the team well. And that was just from when he signed with the team, you know? So I just – so I've always – here's the other thing, too. I've always followed Tywin Walker since he was with the Mariners. I always thought there was a lot of upside to him. And like you said, he's 30 years old. Really, what upside is there? I don't know. Like, his numbers, these these are some of his better numbers that he's had in – in a while, even compared to 2021. Obviously, the blow up in 2021, we understand what happened, but I, something about him, I just like his character, his charisma, and I don't think he's fra- um easily frazzled, I guess, in 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 big spots.
0: Well, we never, because of the way we the never had to went, it's <laughs> we never got to see him in it because they situated DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett for the Atlanta series, and obviously. He never got to make a start in the postseason, so we—I <laughs> guess the advantage Taiwan Walker has is we don't know. We don't know <laughs> he would have imploded in a big spot. I probably, if I'm making the decision between the two of them, um, I'd lean towards Taiwan Walker only because of age. But boy, Chris Bassett was so reliable this past year. The other guy to keep an eye on, who's a free agent, and I'll throw him at you too. But we shouldn't forget about him. Is Trevor Williams? Do you want Trevor Williams back? No no
1: doubt. I don't think he's going to be expensive. And I think you saw how well he could fit in that, you know, innings heater role at any point in time that he could be an opener, he can be a three or four inning reliever whenever you need. I mean, that that's a no-brainer. I mean, does he want to come back here? And I, I,
0: I can't imagine him being expensive. So I think if you can keep him, do it. He's still relatively young, too. Yeah, I, I'd prefer to bring him back. I would try to kind of keep the rotation similar to what it is now and that obviously is going to cost you a lot of money because of the raise that de, excuse me that deGrom going to get the raise Bassett would probably get and obviously the raise Taiwan Walker is going to get that's why it's not realistic they're going to resign all three guys but if they can walk away with deGrom and then either Bassett or Walker and then keep Williams as a depth guy to go along with Peterson and McGill and Casey. You know, and by the way McGill and Peterson deserve chances to be in this rotation uh tyler mcgill had his moments early last year let's not forget that he obviously started opening day and we remember how well he pitched for the first month of the year and then he got hurt and the injury really effed everything up and then he comes back out of the bullpen and he's terrible so i think we sort of remember him as a guy who didn't pitch well and i know his final numbers are awful i can't defend that but early in the season He was doing a really good job filling it in the rotation. Same thing with David Peterson. So Peterson and McGill are two guys that I guess in a perfect world are battling for the fifth spot in the rotation, so you guarantee one of them. But you need eight guys. I mean, you do. Most years, you're going to have eight guys make double-digit starts. It's just the way it is. So those are your starting pitchers. All right, let's go to the bullpen. We already know Edwin Diaz and the importance of him. By the way, I think there's going to be a lot of no's as we go through the bullpen. I think it's going to (laughs) be very easy. Trevor May, you want him back? No, yeah, uh, I'm with you. Um, there's been nothing over the last two years that makes me say, "Boy, you got to keep Trevor May." It's a nice guy. He has let's a get cat. some of the easy. Let's get some of the easy guys out of the way. Michael Givens. There's a mutual option on him. Want to run it back with him? How much is a mutual option? I don't think. Uh, I forget the money. Not a lot of money. I think it was like five million dollars or something. I actually didn't mind him so
1: much, but. It- so yes, if the mutual option is
0: is no no brainer. If it's too expensive, then I'll let him walk. But if it's like yeah. $4 million, $5 million, yeah. Michael Givens was weird since they acquired him at the trade deadline. Obviously, we were all kind of disappointed that it was Michael Givens, but it seems like his bad performances that ballooned up his ERA was mostly in garbage time. Was mostly in blowouts where he was getting innings in. So he that was actually The first game he the first game he came into the, the yeah. after the trade. In Washington, D.C.? Yeah, I was there that day. Actually made the trip <laughs> down to D.C. Yes. Yeah, I got no issue bringing Michael Givens back. All right, here are the difficult ones. Adam Adovino, their second best reliever in 2022. Adam Adovino, yes or no? No. No, is that, is that because you think there's no way he can replicate what he did last year? It's because
1: he... I, I don't want to put a price tag to everything, but that's a lot of the intent. I don't think he's going to replicate it. I don't know if he's going to be terrible, but we because we do know how wishy-washy bullpen arms can be. But I think he's going to make a decent amount of money because of how he performed at the end of the season. So I would think that I'd
0: I'd try to go in a different direction. Yeah, the way I would look at Adam Adovino is if you bring him back, okay, but you can't rely on him to be as dominant as he was this past year. You just, that to me is, you can't. And I would have said the same thing about Aaron Loop a year ago when they didn't bring him back. Aaron Loop had a ridiculous year for the Mets in 2021. And there was no way he was going to replicate that. And at 37 years old, after back-to-back mediocre seasons, I, I think, look, Adam Adovino on this team, okay. But I don't think you could look at him as the way and use him the way you used him in 2022 and have the expectations from him that you had in 2022. So I'm not against bringing him back, but we need to have different expectations for him if he is brought back.
1: Right, but again, you have to also understand that he did excel and the price tag goes up, which means that it's not going to be cheap to bring him back. And like you said, there's always going to be a budget. Eventually there's a budget. Yeah,
0: we'll see though. Well, but, but, but you know what, based on that logic though, Pete, I'm not saying you're wrong. How are you filling out this bullpen? Because if we're talking about adding bullpen arms, it's going to be guys who had good years. I mean, you're going to want to sign a guy coming off a five and a half ERA. Adam Adovino was coming off a four and a half ERA. And we all looked at him and said, guy's going to suck. Can't rely on him. So guys coming off good years usually get paid. Yeah.
1: The bullpen, I think, is going to be a head scratcher. I think there's going to make some moves that are, you're going to say, "What the hell?" I think, if anything, not saying if anything, because it's not they're, they're going to pick up a, a, at least Diaz and or somebody else from free agency. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded for some bullpen arms.
0: Well, and also they're going to bring in guys who we're going to have no expectations for, who are going to go out and have great years, and vice versa, because. That's what happens. I mean, bullpens are the most unpredictable thing in the world. And to the credit of the Mets over the last two years, here are the two names, Aaron Loop and Adam Adovino. You had two guys in back-to-back seasons have outstanding years that really kind of came out of nowhere. So the other guy, and and we may disagree about this, but Seth Lugo, do you want Seth Lugo back? No. I 100% want him back. 100% want him back. There is something about Seth Lugo that scares me, and what? I mean this in the way of <laughs> me too. <laughs> no, goes way, in the game, <laughs> a different, a very different way. <laughs> Seth Lugo, when he first got the opportunity to pitch out of the bullpen in 2018, was pretty good. He pitches out of the bullpen again in 2019. He's really good. Like. We wanted him to be the closer going into 2020. Let's not forget that. He had surpassed Edwin Diaz. And he goes out in 2020. Sucks. Limited sample size. 20 was a weird season. Sucks. And over the last two years, he hasn't been great. He hasn't matched what he was in 18 and 19. But there are moments in which he looks tantalizingly good. In which you see all the movement on that curveball. And you say, boy, he could harness this thing. I think Seth Lugo is primed for one or two monster years out of the bullpen. And it scares me it's going to be somewhere else. And I'll tell you exactly where it's going to be. It's going to be in Houston. They've always loved him there. They know how to harness raw pitchers. Look what they've done with Rafael Montero. Look what they've done with a lot of guys. So you need bullpen arms. The Mets have very few guys under contract. Drew Smith is one of them. Steven Nagosik is another. They don't have a lot of guys. Lugo, over the last you know five years, has been, I'm not saying he's been consistently good, but he, he's never been awful. He's never been, oh my God, this guy's a piece of, he's never been that. <laughs> so I'd bring him back, obviously a reasonable contract, who knows what the money is, And it would not surprise me. Save the damn tape on this. Would not surprise me if he puts together one just monster year out of the bullpen. So bring him back.
1: Is he? And now listen, the roles are just obsolete at the moment. But would you, if if they didn't bring Diaz back, is he your closer?
0: Nah. Let me tell you something. If they don't bring Edwin Diaz back, there are no good options. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like Kenley Jansen can't be your best option. He just can't. And by the way, if Kenley Jansen doesn't give a crap about recording saves anymore, which I'm sure he does because he's got a lot of them. He probably thinks he can be a hall of fame pitcher someday, (laughs) but maybe he thinks that (laughs) if Kenley Jansen wanted to come in here and be a, you know, a fitting reliever protecting or setting up for Edwin Diaz fine. I'll bring him in. But I have no backup plan for losing Edwin Diaz because they can't lose Edwin Diaz. Um so no. <laughs> Seth Lugo is <laughs> not my backup. Uh Corey is not my backup. Aroldis no. Chapman's not my backup. Craig Kimbrel's not my backup. It's got to be Edwin Diaz, which we talked about. We know that. Uh building the bullpen besides bringing these guys back, I'm a fan of taking kind of flyers on guys coming off of injured years or bad years. So I wouldn't Chapman would scare me. Uh, We saw him a lot with the Yankees, the guy from the Yankees. So I would take a flyer on a Zach Britton. That'd be the guy, you know, another year removed from Tommy John surgery. But that's what adding relievers are mostly going to be like. They're not going to be that many super reliable guys. I do want them to add some lefties. I thought it sucked all year long that they didn't have reliable lefties out of their bullpen. Joely Rodriguez doesn't count. So Andrew Chafin, who has, I think it's a player option. So I'm not he just sure. Opted out. He did I, opt out, right? I, yeah. I thought I saw you opted out today. Yeah. Look, they went after him last off season. So obviously there's an interest in him. Andrew Chafin makes sense. Uh, Brad hand, bringing him back makes sense. I know these guys aren't great. Taylor Rogers sort of makes sense. Again, most relievers suck. I, I want to make that clear. Guys who turn out to be great relievers sometimes come at it absolute nowhere so when you hear some of these names i'm not expecting raw excitement it's just some <laughs> of the names that they need to potentially bring in to fill out a seven or eight man bulb
1: no i, I so far i mean we're in agreement and, and, that, and that's the point of what like i was saying i think you're gonna be surprised maybe they trade for some guys but the the people they're gonna bring in they're gonna be head scratchers and we're gonna be like we didn't talk about this guy or we never, we never wanted to talk about it, this guy, because he's terrible. And hopefully they could just it's – an, it's an odd, like almost like an epidemic. I don't freaking know. But like they just can't get two years in a row, relievers. I, I, no, I do. They outside,
0: outside of the dominant closer, and I think it's been this way for a long time with relievers, outside of the dominant reliable closer, it is a very, very much a year-to-year proposition. Um, as far as position players are concerned, Mets do not have a lot of position player free agents. Obviously we did a whole podcast on Brandon Nimmo and you know, how to replace him. There are only two other position players that are free agents. So I'll start with the one that's, you know, boring. Tyler Naquin. Do you want, do you want Tyler Naquin back next? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is if they brought him back, we're not complaining. Like you need to fill out a twenty-six man roster as a left-handed hitting, decent fielding fourth or fifth outfielder, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not. So no, I
1: get it. That's but but it's it's, it's minute. So it, it's like a nothing.
0: There is a club option, and it's not a lot of money for Daniel Vogelbach. Do you want Daniel Vogelbach back on this team? No. Really? That's it? You're done with him? I like him. Listen, I've always liked Vogelback. I think he's got
1: pop. But if you're going to go through this stupid process again where it's like we're going to platoon Vogelback with somebody else, I have no time for that. How about get one guy who does it all?
0: No, no. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't do that. But as a left-handed bat potentially off the bench, uh, you need depth. Like, we can't just build a team and say, this guy's my starting DH, this is my starting friend, and call it a day. Like, you need guys. There are going to be injuries. So, you know, if, and I'm not saying they're going to do this, but if Jose Abreu becomes their every single day designated hitter, and look, you could technically platoon the two, though I think we'd probably have more confidence in Abreu at this point. I think having a left-handed bat that mashes right-handed pitching, even if he's not locked in going into the season as you're, D.H. is still a valuable asset. You're going to pinch hit for guys late in games, and you're going to have injuries late in games. So Vogelback was a – the problem with Vogelback is he didn't hit at the right time. He started slumping at the wrong time. When you look at his final numbers, he mashed right-handed pitching. So I'm not looking to get rid of him. I'm just maybe looking at not relying on him as much and well, playing him every single day. They were in a position at the end of the year where he was playing every single day. And that's my concern with this team is you start bringing these pieces back,
1: is it are they relying too much of what they their plan was last year that kind of failed but didn't really ultimately fail because they got 101 wins, just didn't take them as far as they wanted it to? So I feel like there's too much running it back. And if you bring in Vogel back... I just it, there's just something about him being on. The, and here's the other thing too is he might want to actually have more playing time. Does he want a bench roll? Not saying he's he's this prominent guy, but he could find a job with the Pirates. He could find a job with the Royals. Club option. A it's a yeah, club option. You don't true. have the
0: freaking choice. I mean, he's not established enough. If he comes back here and he's a part time player, he's a part time player. I mean, he is a part time player to begin with. I mean, he was the he, he was the left-handed bat as part of a platoon. Um, to me, it's easy. You bring him back. He's not making that much money. Uh, but I think what you do the rest of the offseason will help determine how much playing time he gets. I'm enamored with the idea. And look, you want to go out and just sign an everyday designated hitter, that's totally fine. I'm good with it. But I think the right-handed part of a platoon, if that's the route they're going to go, is just simply Francisco Alvarez. Because I think a part of using Alvarez in 2023, to me, the way I envision it, is he catches a lot and he DHs a lot. Because Tomas Nito was really, really valuable defensively. And so I don't think Alvarez, just as a rookie, becomes a 120-game catcher. I don't think he has to. And I don't necessarily think that's the best met team because defense matters. Now, can Alvarez eventually become a guy who catches 90% of the time? Sure. I, I can see it happening at some point, but I envision next year him being a part-time catcher, part-time right-handed DH. That's which, by the way, still gets a ton of at bats. I mean, I'm playing him every day. It's just a matter of, am I catching him or am I DHing him? So. That's the way I would view that. But those are the other free agents that we're looking at. And obviously the big decisions are around the starting pitching and the bullpen because their entire bullpen outside of Drew Smith are free agents. Their entire rotation outside of Max Scherzer are free agents. So that's really where the work lies when it comes to retaining their own free agents going into the start of free agency. So I have two other
1: people that I want to bring up to you that are not free agents, but are currently on the roster do you believe that they will be on the roster come opening day?
0: we will give you the first guy, Darren Ruff. Ah, uh, that's a tough one. Um I'm afraid that because they gave up JD Davis and a handful of minor leaguers, there's a justification. And also that that by the way, that's not a good answer. I, I'm not saying and it's I, a good answer. I'm
1: afraid answer. I I hate that answer actually, which is the reason why when I presented okay. it from the from the get go, people were like, oh, "I think the that they'll easily eat three million dollars." Um, no, he pl- he made he made the playoff roster,
0: right? Well, but 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 more than that, don't you think Darren Ruff is a better baseball player than 152 with a 413 OPS?
1: I think there's better baseball players that are currently going to be free. Agents. I'm
0: not saying that you're wrong about that. Of course there's look, you have a 26 man roster though. So there are going to be guys who make your roster who are not everyday. I'm not saying he's an everyday player. In fact, I just laid out how my right-handed DH platoon wouldn't even be, it would be Francisco Alvarez. It could potentially be Mark Vientos, but is Darren Ruff as bad as the way he played for the Mets last year? Uh, uh- debatable not he it's debatable because who knows maybe it's not debatable though because he played in 2020 he played in 2021 and he played in 2022 before he was traded to the Mets. he has a there's production there's stats he's a better baseball player than 152 with a 400 ops was,
1: was jd davis more productive up until last year
0: yeah okay Wait, traded- I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Wait, rephrase that question. Was J.D. Davis more productive, what, in 20 and 21 than Darren Ruff?
1: No, no, in general. Like, was he more productive than what his t- totals were before they traded him in 2022? In 2022, his numbers were crap. We all know that. And But in 2020 and 2021, J.D. Davis was okay, right? Yeah, but he not
0: had- mashing left-handed pitching at the same rate Darren Ruff was. I'm not trying to defend Darren Ruff other than say, are we, are we throwing him out? Because of twenty eight games, yes. Oh God, no, Luke. That's dude, your honestly, answer. Honestly,
1: and, and, and this is my this is my problem. Is that you're right? Is, is it is that a smart answer? No, it's not very educated. I didn't really not really go do the research on it, but I don't feel I have to because there's no way that someone could sit there and justify trading four guys for someone who did nothing for us. Yeah, but that's say, done now. That's fine, and and we have a fresh start. But yet, you're going to bring the guy back because, well,
0: I'm just going to prove to you I was right. Well, no, no. That wouldn't be my reason for bringing him back. I'm merely making the point that I don't think he's a 152 hitter. I don't think he's as bad as what he was for the New York Mets. Would I go into opening day with him as an everyday player? Absolutely not. Could I see a world in which he's on the roster? Sure. Because I don't think he's as bad as 152, 413 OPS. But... If they're going to be able to go out and add a full-time, real-life breathing designated hitter, and Alvarez is going to DH a lot, and Vogelbach's on this roster, and you like Mark Vientos, then there's no need for him. And if there's and- no need for him, get rid of him. You I'm just put- <laughs> making the point he's not as bad as what he was for the Mets in the 28 games he played. That's if all. You, you just put me back into a, a state of, like,
1: hell. What? I could picture... Uh, June, July, and or August where we're platooning Vogel back and rough because somebody <laughs> got hurt and we couldn't we couldn't well, fill this spot. So all of a sudden we have to do this again. Well, I you can't need, take that.
0: That's Will Pon esque. If guy that's not Will esque. If guys get hurt, then yeah, you're gonna have to have guys fill in. I mean uh, that,
1: that's the bro. way baseball
0: is. I, all I'm <laughs> saying is I'm not even defending Darren Ruff like I need the guy on my team. I couldn't give a right you want to cut him tomorrow? Fine, cut him tomorrow. I'm saying he's not as bad as the way he played for the Mets in 28 games, unless you just believe Kai can't handle New York. He's a loser here. And that's it. I don't necessarily think that that was it. I don't no. know what the hell it
1: was. No, but I just, it's just give me nightmares. All right. Last guy, last guy, James McCann.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought him up because next week on Rico Bronian, <laughs> we have a very, very special week. We're going to have two episodes. And we're going to call the week Trade Week. Trade Week is a a week I've been looking forward to for a very long time. Two episodes of Trade Week. In episode one of Trade Week, we will go through trades, trade ideas, trade ideas that people on Twitter have, trade ideas that I have. But we ask everyone to try to make it as realistic as possible. I'm going to try to make it as realistic as possible. Uh, A lot of those trades will involve dumping a bad contract such as James McCann. But let me just give you a hypothetical. When we're talking about James McCann, don't bring back Shohei Otani. Like, (laughs) this isn't MLB the show where we're forcing through a trade. We're going to try to work our way through realistic trades. And I've got a few of them for James McCann. I've got a few of them that you may say, no, I'm not making that trade. Maybe a few of them you'll say, that's a great trade. Send James McCann to St. Louis. So... Next week on the Rico, we will have an episode devoted to fictitious, but realistic trades. But that's not all. Another episode I'm very much looking forward to is something I would never do on WFA, and it should be banned from WFA. In fact, every time a caller calls up with these ideas, I yell at them. But on a podcast on the Rico Bronia, it's very different. We will have an entire episode dedicated to Mets, Yankees, fake trades. That's right. <laughs> We're going to bring on a Yankee fan, Big Mac Chris McMonigle. Pete Hoffman will be here. I will present the Met-Yankee trade, and we'll see if Yankee boy and Met boy either (laughs) both say yes or both say no. That's coming up next week on Rico Bronia. Coming up this week, by the way, we will talk about our favorite random Mets of all time. So if you have some random Mets that you loved as a kid growing up, definitely tweet at us at Evan Roberts, WFN at whatever the hell your Twitter handle is at the Hoff WFN
1: at the Hoff WFN.
0: There you go. We'll obviously address that. And then if there's any kind of breaking news, we'll jump in with podcasts reacting to it, but it's going to be an interesting time. Obviously the big three free agents are the headlines, but the free agents we discussed today are also going to be really important, but expect them to kind of trickle in after the Mets get their decisions or announcements are made, considering around Nimo, Diaz, and Degrom, but we got a lot of material coming up on Rico Bronia. We hope you listen. Uh, check out Pete with Tiki and Tierney. I'm with Craig two o'clock on the Fan. Thank you for uh, engaging us and listening to another edition of Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.